two, one. There it is. All right. We're back again with another episode of the Kingdom Conversation Podcast. Whatever we call it. I don't know yet. Um, I'm Chad. That's Kevin. That's Caleb. Oh, they started? Yep. And my wife is sitting in, too. Don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of... That's kind of... Ouch. So, boys only. Having started this podcast again this evening, we all determined uh, prior to that we were going to have a specific conversation tonight. Caleb and the infinite. And how many kids he's going to have? Yeah. Um. (laughs) The infinite wisdom that he has has asked us to talk about having babies. Yes. No. The process of... Me- no, I'm kidding. No. no uh, that would be a very awkward conversation to have. That would be a... Yeah, that'd be, yeah. a Christian. Could you imagine a 20-year-old guy finally being told how, like, how that process works? No, I don't oh, know. Dear. Anyway, no, realistically, <laughs> yep. we have decided that we're going to have a podcast about talking about a little bit deeper subject this evening. Uh, how deep? How deep? We were all challenged to uh, do a little research on the topic of generational curses, and so uh, we would like to invite you to join in our conversation as we dive a little bit deeper into what are general curses. I mean, generational curses, if they exist, and where you can find them in the Bible, and what the Bible says about generational curses. So, I want to start with Chad, because mm. Chad was super informational last night in our group text about generational curses. Oh, me? Curses. Well, mine's probably the earliest, too. Um, earliest instances of it. Um, but, spoiler alert, yes. Uh, <laughs> if. Does it does it exist? Is it true? Does it happen? Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, but I'll take it away. Why not? Um, there's biblically it it's structured to where it even says it in scripture the sins of the fathers, right? They say it in several instances: Exodus, Numbers, Jeremiah, Deuteronomy. They're all instances of talking about th- the sins of the father. What are you giggling about, Caleb? Somebody's whistling with that note. Oh, it's definitely probably me. It's definitely you. Are you are you nose whistling? I always nose whistling. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're gonna have to start this whole thing over. No. We have cut out so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I can't help it. He gets mad too. Oh my if God. God has a sense of humor. Loud? God has a sense of humor. If he didn't. He wouldn't allow for a nose whistling on the microphone to be having. It is off, but I told you that these microphones are so loud. I can't. He's used to it. I don't hear anything at all. I was so zoned in on what he was talking yeah. about. Oh, I hear. Sorry, I was putting. That was my fault. You're like Tessa Power. I am like Tessa Power. It's me. It's me. It's you. Let's say, we've got a bathroom. Okay. okay. We've absolutely got to start this thing. <laughs> no, we're not starting this We'll wait on you. 
It'd make it kind of funny. Oh my god. It's a podcast. And people, two different people stopped me Sunday and, uh, <laughs> and said, hey, I really enjoyed your podcast. And one of them said, you're really knowledgeable. Uh, um, you used some words that were like two foot long. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And then the other person said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you were funny. <laughs> I was like, oh, funny. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> But more than just funny looking. Oh my god, I'm dying over here. No, it's fine. I did you. No, she, 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 she. Um, so that's, um, I get focuses on all I hear is my right ears. Like, oh no. <laughs> well, as soon as I get done telling y'all about what these are, I've got to put this pen down because I'll be clicking, clicking this stupid pen. Oh, that's You're a, literally crying. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sad that that just sounds so funny. No, it's okay. We got to put the pen down. I uh, know. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm ADHD. So bad. Dude, he's literally crying laughing at you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay. But, so... let get back to the podcast. The Sins of the Fathers were... Um, consistent with keeping commandments and it's found in, in four different uh, texts in the Old Testament. Um, Exodus, Numbers, Jeremiah, Deuteronomy. Uh, let me see. Let me pull up the scripture. Oh, I don't have to pull up the scripture. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> but basically it says that in both aspects, generational blessings and gener- generational curses are both um, both plausible and uh, are evident in scripture where um, stuff like drug addiction, uh, infidelity, uh, alcoholism, stuff like that is is constantly traded down from one generation to the next unless it is uh, given to God and, it, and you're forgiven for it um, and you move past it. Um, it's, uh, but even further than that, than just the com- the concept of the sins of the fathers, what I thought was really interesting when I was telling her earlier after I'd done kind of a deep dive on it, um, what I had mentioned in the group text last night was uh, was Lot and his daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, the children that they were was Moab and Ammon and, um, and Ben-Ami. They both sired um, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Mm-hmm. Also, another um, group of people that were born out of um, uh, fathers that were between Jacob and Esau. Esau had um, his lineage turned out to be the Amalekites. And if you look back in the scripture and you find the people that were warring against the Israelites were the Ammonites, Moabites, and Amalekites. The Amalekites were actually considered to be shapeshifters, were sorcerers, that could turn into animals and small children and stuff to hide from being caught and, and snuffed out. That's why whenever uh, Saul was told by Samuel to go into, um, into the city and, and murder everything, kill everything, bring nothing back. Don't bring the livestock back with you. Kill it all there. Leave it there. That, that led to Saul being kicked out of his kingship by Samuel because he brought it back because of that same ordinance where it was um, these Amalekites were descendants of Esau and constantly warring with Israel and Saul could have put it to death then 
and he didn't. And so further on down the lineage, even so past David and into, um, shoot, who else was it? Anyway, further on down the lineage, um, you see him continuously fighting the Amalekites and the Ammonites and the Moabites. And, um, and the Hizzites and Perizzites. <laughs> all the mites. All the mites. But Micahites. Yeah. So but what I thought was crazy is the, the, the heart of the father bore transgressions that led to countless deaths that could have been avoided if like Jacob the story of Jacob Esau is so profound because all it is is there's one whose heart is postured towards God and one who refuses to give God his best. And from that leads to generations and generations of warring countries against each other, fight, literally fighting God's will. All because the heart of the forefather was, was literally not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's so many generation verses. I mean, I know you can talk about you know, what we deal with today of, you know, my, my, my aunt does this, and so now um, I associate myself with her and because of her actions. And it can get really downtrodden and, and stressful and, and hurtful if you start to think, I am what my... Um, forefathers are my families and my history is sure i mean like that that kind of goes into uh, what, what i was kind of talking about last night uh in today's day and time you know you have uh generational struggles that are you know essentially sins you know they're like for example my mom and dad both were uh, drug addicts mm-hmm. you know for a long time uh, in fact, I was born addicted to drugs. You know, I had to be uh, detoxed in the NICU. So, um, if I was going to, that kind of that kind of uh, boils down to, um, it's one of those things you have to make a choice not to accept that. You know, that's something that, yeah. as followers of Christ, that's a a pretty deep rooted. Um, staple mm-hmm. in our belief system as yeah. Christians that we have the power to decide whether or not we're going to accept those kinds of things. You know, I heard a while back, you know, or be- because, you know, trying to stay in that vein for a second, you know, with both my parents being drug addicts and me being literally a dr- addicted to drugs when I was in the NICU being when I was born um, I could have just as easily said well I mean my parents were addicted to drugs and you know their parents did drugs so that's just who I'm gonna be that's yeah. just that's just my identity I can just take that you know? yeah or you know fortunately uh, my mom introduced me to the church and to God early on and I was able to develop the idea that I don't have to accept that that I can accept what God you know wrote into the plan for my life and that you know 
bad things don't come from God. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's not to say that under God's vigilant watch, bad things don't happen to good people because that would be a fallacy, right. I mean, obviously. But I genuinely believe that bad things don't come from God, you know. Right. And so when I made the decision that I was not going to be addicted to drugs, then I had to, there's a process that you have to go through, you know. You have to go through certain steps, certain uh, hoops, I guess, for lack of a better word, to jump through and and uh, breaking down strongholds in your life and yeah. removing yourself from situations that uh, that are conducive for that kind of bad behavior and then, you know, giving your life to Christ and asking God to be, you know, the Lord and Savior of your life and asking for His guidance. You know, there's a whole... There's a whole different, like, cycle of things you have to go through in order to, to fight back against that. And like Chad said earlier, um, you know, you can, if you put in the effort and you give it to God, you know, and you do... ...the key here, you know, because there's things in our lives that we can't handle, but He can. Yeah. Um... But just because you give something over doesn't mean that you don't put any legwork into it, right? So, yeah, I can say that I give over this potential plot line for my life to God, and I want Him to write the narrative according to what He wants. But I still have to do the legwork to make sure that that doesn't play out, right? So, of course. Um, and so I, I read I read something on the internet the other day that kind of stuck out to me, and it kind of fall it kind of sort of falls into this mindset. You know, it said that uh, generational curses run through my family, or it ran through my family until it ran into me. Right. You know, and that really stuck mm -hmm. out to me because that is a, that's a very profound statement. That's, right. You know, that's a, a statement of self-confidence, you know. Like, yeah. My parents were drug addicts, their parents were drug addicts, right. and their parents were drug addicts. And it runs through my family until it ran into me. And I believe in Christ who's going to deliver me from that. Yeah. Well, it's, I think well, what's, what's really cool that, I've, that I pay attention to um, is, you know how, especially in like Hispanic, Hispanic dialect, um, Spanish-speaking countries, you know, you see um, certain... Whenever they describe descriptors, they'll say so and so's name, and then they'll have a D E and another name, right? And that D E is uh, is um, basically meaning from or of, right? So I started thinking about that. I was like, from or of? How does how do those that two little of that it, that's a descriptor, right? Meaning coming from. I am, so like if you were to say, I am, my name is Chad, of my father, right, Craig. But I started thinking about how how far back can I take the of, right? If I characterize or describe myself as Chad of Craig or Chad of Julia, um, I decide what that ties me to, right? So I'm, I'm the quintessential 
<laughs> who I am is the perfect dichotomy of what life could be for me from my parents, right? So my life could have gone one or two ways. All because of God's intervention, it didn't go the other way, right? So my mom, I turned one on Friday. My mom was gone on Tuesday. And it was a whole mess of things. Um, There's a whole bunch of reasonings. But it ended up turning into drugs and a, and a really messy life for her while my dad ended up making something of his life and ended up thriving with it and stayed consistent in church and has helped countless people and has provided homes and for people and, and careers. But it, there's such a huge difference just for me and where my life could be if I decided who I was from. Am I my father's son or am I my mother's son? Can I look past her weaknesses and find my strengths? Or look at my dad and see my weaknesses? And see, what can life be if, I'm, I, if I understand that I am my mother's child as well? I'm also my father's child. I have to be able to find a balance in knowing that I have parts that have fallen into pits of despair. And understand how to counteract them. And not let that control me or ruin my life. I can I can easily say, well, that's I come from addicts. That's just the way the that's, that's just the way yeah. it's going to be. And I know people that are like that 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 have let that happen, and it's really a sad life. And I, man, I'm I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm a saint. I've, I've done some stupid stuff. I've done idiotic things, and, but but I've always been made fun of because. Whenever, even whenever I was in the bad circles, they'd always say, "Man, how come you're you're so scared of everything? How you're so scared of everything?" Because I wouldn't push myself to a limit that was too far. Because I had this thing in the back of my head saying, "There is a point of no return," and you have to be cautious about stuff like that. And so, because I exercise caution, then I'm I'm a dummy. Well, see, and I think that also boils down to, it's kind of a controversial term like a, 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 or a, a thought process because, you know, you can always say, I hear, I hear people say all the time, well, it's in my blood. Right. You know, and people are, and you've got people of two different thought processes. Either, no, it's not in your blood. That's just a cop out. That's just an right. excuse. Or you've got the people that say, that understand, okay, yes, that's in my blood. Like, I can look back in my family history as far as, can, as the eye can see, yeah. and this is involved. And do you okay. say it with pride, or do you say it with neglect? Right, and so you, but you've got these two people on average, right? You've got the ones that believe one way and ones that believe the other way. But I believe as Christians, and people that have a good relationship with God, we have the unique ability to see it both ways, okay? Yes, technically, if you look back over your lineage, it is in your blood. You know, mm -hmm. addiction is in your blood because of your parents. But that doesn't mean that it has to be written into your your history, you know? Yeah. Um, because your history is what you make it. You know, right. when we leave this world, 
what we leave behind is what people are going to remember. I, and it, it hurts my it hurts my heart to say this, but I thought about this laying in bed last night when I got to thinking about generational curses. My mom passed away in January, okay, and in January, I that's all I could think about. I was consumed by it. My mother was gone. What am I going to do? It used to just be me and my mom against the world. I didn't have a dad, or at least I didn't think I did. I met him six months before he died. But, you know, it was me and my mom against the world. We were a tag team, right? So I was consumed with the loss of my mother. But as it went along, I'm sad to say that I stopped thinking about my mom a lot, you know. And every, every now and again, I just get fleeting thoughts. You know, you know what, my mom would have really liked that. Or, mm-hmm. that looks just like something my mom would wear. Or, wow, I love this song. My mom would have loved this song. I heard the Scorpions come on the other day, and I was like, that's my mom's favorite band, you know. And her birthday was October 20th, right? So it was just right around the corner. And it made me think of her. But then I got to thinking, you know, what we what we leave behind is what people remember, Six months, nine months down the road after they put me in the ground, people are going to stop thinking about me and stop thinking about the person that I am. But what I left behind is is important. What I left behind is my legacy, is what people are going to remember. They're going to say, oh, when they do remember me, they're going to say, I remember him. That was the guy that wasn't afraid to walk into the Wolf Chase Mall and talk about Jesus. You know, Or I remember <clears throat> Kevin was a a teetotal chicken and he wouldn't get on the roller coasters at Six Flags, you know. And so I think that kind of falls into our generational curses conversation because what do you remember about your parents? I started this conversation by saying that I remember that my mom and my dad were drug addicts. Mm -hmm. I could have said that I remember that my mom had brown curly hair and brown eyes and that she was five foot three. But things that stick out are either, you know, they boil down to, I think, essentially, our generational curses and our generational blessings. Right. But from that same coin, you, mm-hmm. you look at Abraham and Isaac and his sons. So from the man that God said, I will, you know, your seed will be like grains of sand. Um, countless multitude. All right. From Abraham comes Isaac, and from Isaac comes Jacob and Esau. From Jacob and Esau comes the Amalekites. From Esau comes the Amalekites. The first people to war against Israel. The very first ones. So from Jacob, whose name is Israel, to the Amalekites, who are the first ones to... Like that right there tells you everything that your future can be from generational curses and, and blessings. So where this person can... is Your seed will be like grains of sand and multitude to utter annihilation and demolition and that they're still warring today like that these the Amalekites Ammonites Moabites they're they're not there today but they've been you know assimilated into the Jordanians and the UAE and Syria you know the the who was it the Moabites were the um were the ones that uh, joined forces with Syria to attack. Who was it? I just had it pulled up earlier. Um, let me see. The Moabites joined forces with Syria to attack something. Um, 
the Ammonites joined forces with <clears throat> Syria to fight the Jews, and they, and they were literally from the from the I, Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and Esau. That that's the it's like Cain and Abel all over again, mm-hmm. and to, that's like the the constant theme that you see: good and evil, light and dark. What's going to prevail? Is it going to be God's favored, or is it going to be the people that chose death? And so, generational cursings and blessings come from that. You can see it through the history of biblical texts. You see it falling all the way down through David. And then you see, I mean, now the people of, the people of Canaan, <clears throat> they're literally still alive to this day, Worshiping the prophets of Baal, and that's what we see in most mainstream media nowadays is people that worship the prophets of Baal. That's what all the people that, that Baphomet and all that kind of stuff you see the people with the statues and stuff well, with the goat head and all that that came from the from the people that were, with original sin, the first murder, all the things that could have been put to death beforehand but never did. Caleb, it's your story, bud. What? We're here? Okay. This mess. <laughs> oh, excuse you. Oh, Lord. Well, I mean... I mean, this... At first, I'm like, when I was when we first put this topic on, I'm like, I'm, I first looked at, like, what is a generational curse? I went to Dr. Dr. Google. Dr. Google's my best friend. I looked it up and, and said... Unless you're sick. That is true. Everything's cancer. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> well, but <clears throat> I looked at what generational and I've just I I've discussed this with different people at the church. Uh, I've been in a class one time where we discussed like what is it, and it's kind of what we summed up. It's a generational curse for those who don't know it describes the. Cumulative effect of a purse of things that their ancestors did, believed, or practiced in the past, and consequences of an ancestor's actions and beliefs and sins are being passed down from one person to the other in the family bloodline. And I got um from my and I got Exodus uh twenty verse five through six, and if you read it, it goes um. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous <clears throat> God, visiting and incarnating of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy of those sayings to those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, I find it just find it interesting that how people in a family how how describe that as being passed down to another, you know, how like, yeah, and it's, what some people need to realize how, that, like how Kevin was saying earlier, that you need to, <laughs> um, <laughs> look up Jeremiah, um, hold on, I'll pull up in a second, go ahead. I like how Kevin was saying that, like, you know, oh, she was going to say, but like how you say, like it's a choice. Like you know how you made that choice to do that. You know how the choice you like. Okay, this needs to break. It's like you, how you came out of family. This like I just feel like it takes that one person and that like okay, this needs to stop. 
like to realize like what's causing the problem in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, look, read Jeremiah thirty two seventeen and eighteen. Jeremiah thirty. 32, 32, 17 and 18. 17 and 18. Um, Deuteronomy 5, 9 and 10. You shall not bow yourself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, and doing mercy to the thousands who love me, and keep my commandments. Jeremiah 32, 17 to 19. 18. 17 and 18. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show unfailing love to thousands, but you also bring the consequences of one generation's sins upon the next. Mm -hmm. And then um, Numbers 14 and 18. I got that. Uh, I got a New English translation, uh, translation. My bad. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding to steadfast love, forgiving inquity and transgression, but he will no means clear the guilty visiting the inquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation's call. Okay, so basically what what that's saying is you are not required to repent for your father's sins. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's saying. But I'd put it, I'd, this is how I would make it analogous for people to understand. Um, your father's, or the previous generation's sins, or transgressions, or iniquities against God, aren't your responsibility. But, I'll put it this way it's as though you're running a race, right? And the people, the people you're running a race against are. All of their forefathers and ancestors and their fathers and their grandfathers and aunts and uncles, all of them lived righteous lives. The problem is, that means that their starting line is where it's supposed to be. Now, you and your forefathers, your ancestors, your aunts and uncles, they all lived in iniquity. They lived in sin and transgression against God. That means your starting line is a couple feet backwards. You know, a couple, 10, 20 feet backwards. So that means you have to try to... They put you behind the eight ball because that's what you've grown up seeing, that's what you've grown up hearing, and that's what you have to fight against to understand what is normal and right in the eyes of God. Yeah. Because where I've, I grew up in the church, I know what's right and wrong. I have no excuse to try to fight and war against God. I know what's right and what's wrong. But... That means that somebody who didn't grow up with a family that's in church or didn't know any kind of rules, anything about God, they're a little behind the eight ball. They have to make up that ground and to try to get back to what could be normal. And so that's what that that's what it means. The sins and iniquities of, against God means that you're putting your children in harm's way because they know not what they do. Yeah. Also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. It, this may totally be a totally different subject, but you also got to think when you marry into with somebody else, right? When you marry somebody, mm-hmm. you're all, you don't know who you. I'm not gonna say you don't know who you marry to. You don't know what generational <laughs> curse that person you're married into in. Oh yeah, you're in, marrying your spouse's mother. And mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it. What's sad sometimes that you 
the kids, like, I like how this got some like, people beating each other up. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> But, I'm sorry, I'm being a good friend. Oh, it's good. But, you know, that's that's one thing people got to think, you know, be, what are you marrying into, you know? Like, you know, there's some people who, like, go into a relationship and they don't know, like, okay, what what things do you have that I have that may affect our children and that what yeah. we need to break? Right. And, you know, and that's things that you need to think of, like, I'm... <clears throat> But there's a point in life when a generational curse comes to somebody. Because I've seen people at our church who, family after family, it's drugs, it cause it, it, it. Like, what's that moment? Like, what's that feeling that this needs to break today? Because, like, you know, there's people in the Bible that, like, you know, Paul, like, what, you know, Jesus had that moment with him. You know, mate, he was blind. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know if Paul had kids or not, but you know, saying if he did, mm-hmm. you think that was breaking off when Jesus had that moment with him, or is there 100%. other hundred percent? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but what's that? that in what's that, that grief though that makes somebody? I need to break this. Like, how? What? What in that? What point in a person's life? They said, I'm going to beat the circumstances of what my parents went through to stop so my children don't have to go through what I've gone through, my past parents through. I think it's accountability. Absolutely. I think it's accountability. Accountability? Yeah, it's for sure. Because right now, if if I were to think, one of the reasons why I got back into church is because of that accountability. Mm -hmm. Because I understood that if I continue in the life of, in the, in the tra- trajectory my life is going, my child will know nothing about God unless I teach it to him, and he's gonna he's gonna ask me, okay, God, if you know so much about if Dad, if you know so much about God, why don't we go to church? And I'll have to look him in the face and say, because I don't want to, yeah, and because my desires mean more than your salvation is basically what I'm saying to him. And so it's it's an accountability thing where you have to you know take it. I I have to decide what's going to happen in my family. And we also got to realize that all generational curse ain't drugs, right? No. But then you also you know go, kind of going off of what Chad said there, you know, with it being an accountability issue, if Chad decided that he did not want to go to church anymore, but he had a he has a an in depth knowledge of God and the and the love of Christ and the direction of Christ and the forgiveness of God and then he just has to look his son in the face and say we don't go to church because I don't want to well you know it's been proven historically over and over and over again that you to a to a modicum of a degree you become just like your parents mm-hmm. okay yeah you, when when my daughter sees me Interested in doing something, she's immediately interested in right. doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that same thing. Mm-hmm. So if, if, you know, Chad says that he doesn't want to go to church, but who's who's to say that his son would be like, well, since if Daddy doesn't want to do it, I don't want to do it. it it's the statistics are few and far between. It, it's if you grow up with parents in church, the st- statistics say you are you are more likely to fall away from church and return than someone who had church, who had parents, 
that never went to church to get into church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are more likely you are more likely to be a prodigal than a new convert. Well, yeah, and and another thing that goes along with that, and I can't remember the exact numbers. Okay, so I'm I'm not going to try to falsify percentages, but I read or I heard, I think it was through one of Pastor Justin's messages that, you know, you have to, you have to as a as a father. You know, and this, you know, I, I'm not trying to exclude Caleb because one day, you know, Caleb's going to be a father, you know, I believe. But, you know, as a father, we have a, an obligation, a duty to lead our family in the right direction. That's right. And in the right direction is towards God. Absolutely. And so the, the mentality here is, you know, the statistics show that if the father in a family does not go to church, then statistically, the rest of the family does not go to church. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're more likely to see an entire family involved in a church if the father is the one that yeah. initiates. Right. Okay. And if the yeah. mother initiates, then you're you're a lot less likely for the father to begin going to church. Right. And you may or may not have the child that goes to church. Right. And it falls even further. If the child goes to church, you're very unlikely that mm. they will convince their parents to go to church. Yeah. And I don't want to be responsible for being one of the key reasons that my child decides not to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you you will be though. That's that's what I'm saying. Like if the as the head of a household, the responsibility always falls on your shoulders, no matter what. If something is missing in my household, I'm to blame. Right, I I, I carry the weight of every single action and consequence of, in my household. And I think that the the that's a lot of what's wrong with the world in my in my opinion is. Um, men who refuse to take accountability and responsibility of their own household and they just they want to check out and that's it dude I understand wanting to check out I sure. get that dude I'm, I want to come home and I just <laughs> want to turn my brain off it, I can't tell you how many times I've said that that phrase right there I want to come home and turn my brain off <laughs> because they have a stressful tough job and I just want to come home and turn it off but you can't do that in the day and age we live in. You can't. And, and maybe the night in the 50s and stuff, back when times were simpler, you could. You could, you know, you can take it easy some days, most days. But in this today's day and age, there's so many things warring against us in spiritual warfare that's just about impossible to fight. And, and, you know, here's my thing, you know. I don't have kids, but I, I can, I look up to my dad, you know, what he's told me, you know, how, how you know, you, you know, you, you can take care of a child for so long, but at that moment, you know, the bird's got to leave the nest, you know, and it's, you know, it's their choice if they mm-hmm. want to keep living in the world or out of the world, keep living in that generational, because I feel like, you know, I don't know to me, but let's say I broke a generational curse for my family, but and I teach my kid not to do the things, 
and let's say out of the blue they and that they go and they leave the nest, my household, and they and that generational curse is still on them. Right now, I want to talk about since we not right we discussed what a generational curse is. What's the mean? How can how can they be broken? And I and I got uh, Deuteronomy five nine says, uh, "Thou shalt not bow down to thyself unto yeah. them, and will nor serve them. For I, the Lord, the God, I am jealous God, visiting inquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation that they hate me." Then I got um, Isaiah fifty four verse seventeen: "No weapon that is formed against me." Shall prosper every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, and the shall condemn the the heritage of the servants of the Lord, the righteousness of me, saith the Lord. Yeah. So, is what other you know? Can can they they can be broken, but how do you break that? I wanted. I kind of wanted to inter to interject there, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Um. So. For all of our listeners, unfortunately, one of our key members of our group is not here, uh, Pastor Justin, but he gave us in our group message today a little bit of a nugget that I think kind of goes right into that. So Caleb asks us, how do we break generational curses? Okay, so the simple answer is that we repent and ask God for forgiveness and direction and to guide us away from that and give us the strength to be able to stand up as a standard against that generational curse. Hands of crystal. However, I I believe, yeah, I believe that the little bit more in-depth answer is something that Pastor Justin sent to us in our group message, and I kind of want to put that out there for people to to understand. Uh, He told us that he believes... And I kind of come into agreement with it that he believes that they can, that they're broken the same way that they are started, right? So the example that he gave us was that by Adam's disobedience to God's word, we are fallen. We are destined to go to hell. Okay, that we every all of us are born into sin. We're born into iniquity. Okay, but that's by Adam's disobedience. But if you move forward into the new into the New Testament. You, you see that by Adam's disobedience, we fall and we've been put into a generational curse. But by Jesus' obedience yeah, and giving God. himself up for our sins, mm-hmm. then uh, he endured the cross and we are able to be grafted into a gen- the generational, generational blessing right. of salvation. Um, and so I think that that kind of falls into how all of our, you know, all of our generational curses and our generational blessings uh, do a weight, essentially. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So you have to go back and find the root of why you have a generational curse in your life. What is it that brought this upon my life? When did this start? You know, it's... It, the simple answer is that you can pray and ask God for forgiveness and repent, and you can ask God every day to fill you with the desire for to follow Him with your heart. Uh, but I think in depth you have to go back and you have to do a little bit of research as to mm-hmm. how this came to be in my life and what specifically do I need to target and what specifically do I need to look at 
in order to let God take control of this situation mm-hmm. and turn it from a generational curse into a generational blessing. Yeah. I, like, I think I think Romans 8, 1 and 2 kind of sums up perfectly how you get rid of generational curses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the <coughs> law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Yeah. So that that's that's the key. For those who are in Christ Jesus, therefore there is no condemnation. If <clears throat> if you're living a life full of sin, the life the life that you will get is sin. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin the wages of sin is death. Uh, but those of you who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. The law of sin and death has been rent in two. Um, so I think that kind of sums up the entire meaning of it. Um, but I like how you t- said that, Kevin, about diving into how to research it, you know. And I feel like that's true. It does take, it takes the secret place sometimes. That secret place with Jesus of like, why is my family, my bloodline still dealing with like certain things? Like, and like I said earlier, not all generational curses have to be about drugs. Like, it yeah. could be about money. It could be uh, financial trouble. It could be like other struggles that other people don't realize in their lives. And like I like how you said it takes research, diving in, prayer, repentance, you know. And that's sometimes, I don't, like I said, I don't have kids, but I remember nights where my mom and my, my parents came in my room, put oil over my head, and they, I just, I remember being in bed, they just, Praying said, we break every like they just prayed over me, and that's sometimes with parents like when you that that accountability in your life, where you don't want your kids to go. It takes that time to pray over your kids at, at midnight, the midnight hour sometimes where I don't want my family to my this I don't want my family my bloodline to struggle that I'm gonna dive into my secret place and say what's the root, what's the What's that tree root in my bloodline that's causing this to happen? I'm going and I'm going to pray over my kids to break it off. And, you know, that's just, it, it does take some dig. It's some take some grunt work sometimes. Yeah, I, mean, it, I think it takes some self reflection. You know, you have to look inward. You know, because kind of like out of the story of Exodus that you were speaking out of earlier, you didn't quite get to the point, the part that I was hoping you would get to, but um, it. You know, the idolatry is a really big thing. Yeah. And even now, in today's day and time, we, we, we think that idolatry, you know, in the general sense is, oh, I've got this Buddha that I pray to, you know, every day because I'm Hindu, or I mean, I'm Buddhist, and I look at this Buddhist, this, mm-hmm. uh, Buddha statue every day and I pray to him. And sure, that is idolatry. Okay, absolutely. But anything can be idolatry in today's day and time. It's such a large, rampant part, mm-hmm. a sinful part of our lives that it's it's so in-depth and it's so inconspicuous in some yeah. ways that it can be anything. It could be money. It could be mm-hmm. sex. It could be drugs. It could be... Rock and roll. It could be anything, you know? And so you have to go back and you have to self-reflect. Like, what is it that that I'm putting, okay, so I can use, for example, myself, um, 
I have a really hard time with money. Money is a really big thing to me. I didn't come from money. I didn't have money. And so when I got money, it was like opening up a whole new world to me. Okay. Yeah, and so that become that became my idol for a really long time. That's something that I struggled with. Like I wanted money and I wanted more of it and I never you know, I never could have enough. J. A. G. Wentworth. It's my money and I need it now. Exactly. And so I have to in order to break that generational curse, you know, the Bible tells us that if we don't tithe our money appropriately, mm-hmm. That our money is cursed. Right. I don't know if you guys have heard Brother Ken's message, okay, his testimony, but if you haven't, I encourage you to go talk to him one on one about his his testimony. He used to make more money than you could ever think of, hand over fist, and yet his bills never increased. He never owed more money anywhere, and but no matter how much money he made. He could never make his bills. It just didn't make any sense. And it's because the Bible tells you tells us that if you don't sow your seed according to God's will, your money is cursed. Okay? And that's a generational curse that you can pass on to your kids. Yeah. If I'm always chasing the dollar and my kid watches me always chasing the dollar, yeah. then what are they going to do? They're going to always chase the dollar. They're yeah. going to think that that's normal. Mm-hmm. So I have to go back and look at the root of what my problem was. What am I putting before God that is keeping mm-hmm. me from the blessings of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that was my money. That was my finances. And so that's... And I'm, I'm only saying that because this year was the first year that I have really taken... I've, I've really had the desire to want to, to find out what my problem was find out why no matter how much money I make I can't seem to get ahead why do I still live with my mother-in-law why am I you know why do I keep getting raises but I can't have ever have any money you know and I think it's because you know I went back and had to do some self soul searching and find out what it was that I did in the past that kept me from you know, that developed this generational curse and kept it from becoming a generational blessing. Yeah. You know, because the Bible tells us that God wants to bless us beyond measure. You know, He yeah. wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessings than we have room to receive. Press down, shaking you know? together. And yeah, press, press down, shaking together, and running over. And yeah. yet, every day, I mean, every payday, you know, it's like the itsy bitsy paycheck fell mm-hmm. into my. <laughs> bank account and then all of a sudden I turn around the next day and it's gone yeah and so you know I think that you have to actually have a desire to want to find what the problem is there's millions of people will say oh well you know I just I don't know what's wrong I don't know why I don't ever have any money I don't know why I can't ever do this I don't know Mm -hmm. this that and the other but they don't and they say I really wish I could find out what was going on with my money Mm-hmm. But do you really want to know? Because if you really wanted to know, one, you would take the time to research. You would take the time to look back over your behaviors, over your mentality, over your actions, over your conversations. You know, the kind of things that, that really matter. And you would be able to look and see how that has affected your life and how you can effectively see every step of how your generational curse developed. Yeah. I think that comes with honesty. 
And I think that's an honesty because <clears throat> for me, I maybe maybe I'm just aware of my actions a lot, and I know there's a difference. There's there's a difference in accountability and honesty, and to where I know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm not honest enough to admit it to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. ready to take accountability. But that's what you yeah, what you should be honest yeah. before you can be accountable. Right. But I, what you what you were just saying about idolatry and stuff. Part of that story that I was researching for this thing, um, for this podcast, was one of the one of the chief struggles of the Moabites. You know, the Moabites came from Lot's um, drunken encounters with his two daughters, right? Moab and Benami, Moab Ammonites. The Moabites were forbidden by God to marry into the Jewish community. God said, you cannot marry a Moabite because of their idolatry. So, in those days, the only way to be saved or sanctified or have your sins pushed forward is to have a burnt offering and sacrifice made by the priest in the temple. Or um, So that basically meant that there is no salvation for the Moabites. So idolatry is a huge ordeal back then, but also a a one of the <laughs> one of the origins of an idolatry wasn't wicked and nefarious. It, it it came from a good place. They said, "Okay, God, I want something to represent you," <clears throat> and from that representation of God came idolatry because they stopped praying to what God was, they prayed to what's in front of them. And they started taking this figure as what God was versus who he actually was. Instead of taking this stand-in for God, they say, okay, this calf is for God. Now it's this calf is God. Right. They actualized God into the calf, the, the sacrifice. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. And so, whenever <laughs> you have those good intentions and you start doing something that you think is godly. Look at this, Caleb. Look at this really deep conversation that you brought up. We have an hour to an hour and a half to talk about this, and we could be here all night. Man, I'll tell you. I'll say this is a heavy subject, though, for it. Sorry. I, I don't know why, but it it is, I just feel like we needed to talk about this because like, I feel like there's people yeah. out there don't know how to identify a generational curse absolutely and don't know how to expose it and don't know how to break it that's right four how to prevent it how to prevent it prevent that's, it i'm i'm worried less about breaking generational curses than i am about preventing them uh, pre- preventative measures to me is tantamount it is like part two you don't want to live your life being reactive you know being yeah. proactive is much because more important than i can i can break the curses of my but forefathers I feel like they all carry eat not equal but similar weight you know oh yeah I for sure the way you look at it, it it really just depends on your perspective yeah I'm, I'm just breaking talking about a generational curse in my opinion mm-hmm. is equally as important as preventing one because yeah. in order for me to prevent 
further generations of my life from developing them, I have to understand how to break them so that mm-hmm. I don't pass that on. Yeah. What happens if, you know, what happens if I pass on and I never took the time to identify and break the curses in my life? And so I just, yeah. unbeknownst, unbeknownst to me, pass it on to my kids. They watch mm-hmm. the way that I lived mm-hmm. and I left something unchecked. I left some stone unturned. And they carry on that behavior into yeah. their life. But see, I can, for me, this is how I've, I've lived my life. Anything, anything that I can see is a problem objectively that I don't want to carry on or pass down. I can see that and I can avoid that like the plague. So like, for example, if my dad was an alcoholic and I know that that can rent a family in two, I know that I don't want any part of that. I don't want to pass that down. So what I can do is I can see that objectively and I can run from it. I can say, that will not happen. I know what comes from that. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, the preventative measures are what, what make me scared because generational curses that I may pass down are things that are interpersonal that I deal with internally. And so, whether they be seen or unseen, whether it's something that I struggle with, with depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts, tendencies, uh, anger, hatefulness, you know, s- certain things that I can that I can pass down through my actions that I don't even see, and something that I have to be innately accountable and aware of, you know, not to pay attention to, because if I don't, then I'm passing that thing, those things down to my son who just thinks that's normal, mm-hmm. right? And so the, pre- the preventative thing is of the utmost importance to me because I can see theirs, I may not see mine. Sure. And so that's that's where my perspective is. Yeah, I guess we can just end it with this. I, I, as Christians, you know, we got people that come in our church that have generational curses. And mm-hmm. I think it's, as Christians, our job sometimes is to pray for those and help identify their generational curse and like I've seen it happening at our church before many times it, it's not even the parents it's the kids you know I, sometimes, I don't know why it feels like there's kids these days I, I see more kids come up to the altar getting prayed for for breaking that generational curse I don't know why but I just feel like it's because they're not desensitized to it yet right yeah they see the, there they see is the there is I genuinely believe that the reason that youth and young adults are coming hand over fist and tripping over their own two feet back to God is because there is an active wildfire revival that's taking place in this world. I believe we so. may not see it right now. We might not, and and our generation may not <clears throat> see the fruits of it, but we are seeing it develop. You know, just think back to all, if you if you look back over this year, think back to all of the different breakouts of revival that we've seen this year. Lee University was part of that really large mm-hmm. one between the three schools, I believe. Auburn University yeah, had Auburn University. And Mississippi, State State had Mississippi State had them. These are huge breakout revivals that lasted weeks, mm-hmm. you know. There were people, there were people at our church that Brother Perry made a special trip to go to one of them 
just to be there. And he said that, that, that the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so thick there that it almost literally looked like a cloud, a shroud of the Holy Spirit in the building. Yeah, and I say this, it's, it's not time to sleep. It's not a time to sleep. It, like you said, there is a gener- there's a generation rising right now that's on fire. The, the youth, young adults, it's, there's, and it's not time to sleep how the and how things are going right now. And I believe our we got to fan the flame, break the curses off of every young person who yeah. has a generational curse over their life because the next generation is coming up and we got to be prepared for it. Yeah, I I have noticed that the the teenagers that I've that I've talked to or seen that are you know devout and on fire for God um, are very devout and on fire for God, but the kids that are you know their hearts been hardened towards God, they are hardened the most I've ever seen. Like it is just about impossible to talk to a teenager about God because they have. I think, you know, the TikToks, the Twitters, the social medias and stuff have done irreparable damage to these kids because they're, they raise so many questions and they're getting so much false information that it makes it so hard to talk to somebody because you have to basically unlearn everything that they've basically been told is a fact and it's going to take hours and hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and, and so much time invested. Yeah, well, we as a previous generation, you know, because I, obviously I'm not that old. I'm 32 years old, okay. But <gasps> we as a previous generation to the up-and-coming teenagers now have to acknowledge that as hard as we're working to spread the gospel, the enemy is working equally as hard mm-hmm. to nix it, okay? Yeah. Like some major, <clears throat> major... Uh, Events that have caused, that have that have shown that the enemy is rearing his ugly head is. Did you guys, just by chance, uh, I'm I'm really big into pop culture. That's my thing. Yeah. I missed my calling being an actor or something like that. <laughs> you know, I know that it doesn't seem like it because I'm so quiet and I don't like to talk a whole lot. But I, I love movies and music and movie history theater. and music history and theater. I was just too scared to get up on stage. But having said that, did you guys actually get a chance to watch any of the Grammys where Sam Hunt performed? Yeah. Like not just his performance. Sam uh, Hunt or Sam Smith? I'm Sam Smith. I'm sorry. Sam, Sam Smith. Smith. My apologies. Sorry. Sorry. I say Sam, Sam Hunt's completely different person. But yeah, Sam Smith. <laughs> Sam Hunt, he hates you. <laughs> yeah, did you no, guys get I, to actually watch I that? No, I don't not, watch that crap. He was not the only performance that night yeah. that was Bad. that was demonic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean Taylor Swift's it's big. is is a big deal. Um but some Super Bowl this year with Rihanna. Yeah. But you know the thing about it is like Sam Smith was openly mm-hmm. you know worshiping the devil. I mean he came out in and horns, and he came out, and this, that, and the other, and Doja Cat is another person who performed with him, I think, but mm-hmm. she's got her own song now, where it's called, it says something like, oh, she's the devil, and this, that, and the other, like, it's just, it has gotten to where our current generation is being, being bombarded by this, they're just being beat over the head with 
Satanism <clears throat> and with secular stuff and mm. with stuff from the enemy that they're being beaten with it so much that that they've become like Chad said desensitized to it. Yeah. And so you're they've developed these calluses on their heart and they see this as normal. Their role models are are people like Cardi B who used to be a stripper and now she's a foul mouthed yeah. rapper. You know, like it's just they're taking these people and making them idols, making them greater than us, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing but fighting against Christ. In my own twisted mind, I don't mind seeing that, you know, in the mainstream, that doesn't bother me so much. Because if I was a teenager or if I was a kid growing up in today's day, day and age, that wasn't that wasn't what it was when I was growing up. You know, that wasn't the thing. Um, but now, all that being pushed so heavily makes me think, if y'all are pushing this like it's real, then that means that the opposite has to be real too. It's just not in my face. You're just being loud about it. And so that would bolster my faith more if I was questioning, like, what what is all this about? You know, like, to me, that would kind of help seeing stuff like that, where it's like, okay, the, the, opposite, the, the flip side I, of that coin. I can agree with that to a certain extent, but the only thing, the only rebuttal I would have for that is that simultaneously, while the enemy is pushing his agenda on our current youth, we're also watching a generation of lazy people grow up, okay? So with that being the case, yes, I can see how, in a manner of speaking, it would push, it would bolster the faith of some people, but I feel like the current generation that's growing up is too lazy to Mm -hmm. even see that there's a duality to that situation. Mm -hmm. They're just taking everything at face value. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And me, as me being the youngest person here, I'm only 20 years old. It's my generation, mostly, and it. The problem is, like, I could be one of those hoodlins out there if I wanted to. But, and like, I, and you know, I just look back on what I've been through. It, I, it is a laziness, in, to me, in the the father position. And it's what parents these days allow what their kids to watch and what they put over like do they do they really know what their children are going like these right here, you can look up anything. anything. These phones. You know, and I just like it's a laziness on I not all parents, but on the parent part how you need to discipline your kids to show no, there's a limit. Because, you know, you got these days, you got kids who who are running the house. Amen. And, but that's when. <laughs> that's yeah. when the. I'll kick my kid's chest through his back. But, <laughs> you're going to talk back to me. But, no, sir. Well, I'm serious, quote, that as a young. As a young person right here, being 20 years old, this turned 20, you know, you got, you got things on TV that are being pushed so hard that we don't even notice it. I'm noticing things like, like, wow, I never noticed a commercial like that being, Disney. 
Yeah. Or that me. But, like I said, it's just what... It's how you control it and how, how you pursued it. But... I guess we can y'all I guess we can end it right here. Um it's getting late. Sure. I'm sorry, I have word vomit. So bad. It's like it's like a little monkey in my head. Clanging symbols. Whenever I No, it's like word association where it's like you said Disney. You just missed it. And I said Disney and he said Yeah, and Daphne. And Daphne. You know, Disney, Daphne. Or like earlier whenever you like people will say certain things and it's like I'll hear I know a song with that same words. Like uh oh my god, it's so bad. I have to say it or it's like a, there's a little monkey in my head clanging cymbals and if I don't say it it's just shake. So if you hear me just say something random, it's because I have word vomit. I'm sorry. I guess I I can end it if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead. But I I want you to pray us out this night. That's something we haven't been doing, dude. Like I totally neglected to say that. Why don't we end our podcast with prayer? Because I I'm particular about prayer, um, mainly because it says it's better to pray in your closet and. What's done in secret, yes. be able to openly. And so when it comes to prayer on a public platform, I'm not against it. But as far as me personally, it's just not something that I do. Um, I see. And so if, like Pastor, I, I submit to his authority, and so I will allow him to. But as far as me personally, no, I'm not, it's not something that I do. I gotcha. But I just want to thank everybody for joining in tonight. Uh, let you know that generational curses don't are not permanent. They can be broken, and I encourage every every person that listens to this that take the time to devote yourself to why you're going through things. And I encourage you that generational curses can be broken. They shall be broken. And we come in agreement that if you're going through a generational, I've pray for you right now that it will be broken in the name of Jesus. And thank you and good night. Amen. Amen. Yay.